gracious and merciful God, open our ears, open our minds, and open our hearts to the word you have for each and every one of us this day. And as I, your servant, stand before you, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. We began our series, Streams of Mercy, last week, looking at what it is to be baptized in the sense that we understand the connection between baptism and resurrection. That when you experience baptism, especially if you are immersed in the waters, when you come up, it is a new life that you have, the same way that Christ rose from the dead. And so this week, we're going to look at another one of the ways we can understand baptism, and that is it's, it's regard to a new birth. We are having uh, this experience here alongside Nicodemus. Now, often when we look at these scriptures in John chapter 3, it is the tendency of Christendom, all of those who have ever believed in Jesus, they jump to the 16th verse of this chapter, John 3, 16. You all know it by heart, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but will have what? Life eternal, eternal life. So we often jump to that verse. And it's important to think about that because of the, the belief aspect. That when we believe, that's what gives us eternal life. Now, some will say it's the baptism part, the being washed, water washed and spirit born, that is what brings our salvation. But we're going to see in this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, it goes to that 16th verse. It's the belief that matters. All of us must be born again. There was a man in our town who always drove around and he had a, a, a hat on that said, you must be born again. You probably saw people like that in the 80s. Um, in fact, he didn't just have one of those hats. The entire back of his car was lined with them. So this idea of you must be born again. But you hear that, you say, well, what does that even mean? And in fact, people... For many years, uh, we would be mocked and scorned to be referred to as born again. Amen? Because some of them were the crazy people. Just being honest, right? The crazy ones. We didn't necessarily want to be associated with those folks. But what does it mean to be born again? Because it truly is how we demonstrate what Christ has done in our lives. You must be born again. Nicodemus is one of the Pharisees, so he is very high up in the ruling classes in Judaism. He understands the law and the prophets, and he wants to know more about what Jesus is teaching. But remember, he's associated with these leaders who are against Jesus. They don't want him to be teaching and have followers. And they're all trying to kind of snuff out Christ's work among the people. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at nighttime. 
it's it's very um, just picture this scene. It's like in a movie where he's hiding in the shadows and making sure no one notices that he's going to see and meet with Jesus. And he comes to him and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus says, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. And so Nicodemus asks the question that often we all have. What do you mean? How is it that an adult can be born again? Can you picture that? Now it's Mother's Day, so we all think about um, the, the women who brought us into this world. Whether they're part of our lives now or not, there was a physical experience that brought us into this world. And it's a messy, gory, nasty business. Amen? I share this, this story with permission. But last week, some of you saw Michelle here, who sits over in this area. She was here with her husband, Thomas. And Pastor John said, when is your baby due? And she said, two days ago. <laughs> well, this week, baby Clark arrived in a very dramatic fashion. Because Michelle started having contractions, and she called Grandma to come sit with the kids. She got there about 50 minutes later, and when she and Thomas were in the truck, her water broke, and the baby just started coming out. They had to pull over. They delivered baby Clark on the side of the road. Thanks be to God, Michelle's a nurse. And Thomas, he works in the hospital, too, in, in radiology. So I think they probably handled it a little more better than some of us would. But thanks be to God, Clark is he's healthy, and, and the whole family is doing great. But there's this thing. When it's time for the baby to be born, there's no stopping it. You can try. You can try. But the force of nature is just going to bring that into the world. And so we know you can't push it back in <laughs> effectively for very long. <laughs> and so when Nicodemus is asking, well, what does it look like for an adult to be born again? Surely there's not going to be this physical process that brings this new birth again. However, it's an understanding that when we are born anew through our baptism, we are experiencing the Holy Spirit in such a way that it's giving us a new life. Now, many people throughout the millennia have experienced the washing of baptism as one of our sins. And certainly Nicodemus would have understood that in his time and in his culture. They had rings that would remove the sinfulness from people. But... What we have to recognize is that it's not just the water washing away what's dirty and filthy about our souls and our spirits. It's when the spirit of God is at work in us, we're going to live in a way that's different so that the people around us should recognize that there's something new about the way we carry ourselves in the world. So when we're talking about being born anew, being baptized is an important sign after that, to be water-washed and spirit-born. 
But the most important part of that is the being born of the spirit segment. Anybody can be washed clean. Anybody can take a dunk in the river. Anybody can come to the font and have water sprinkled or poured on their head. The difference, what's going to change in your life as a result of that? How is it that you're going to live in such a way that people know that you've been born of the Spirit? John Wesley put it this way. He said, be you baptized or unbaptized, you must be born again. Otherwise, it's not possible that you should be inwardly holy. And without inward as well as outward holiness, you cannot be happy, even in this world, much less in the world to come. He said that people who are baptized, who are washed clean of their sin, who don't live any different because they've come to God to receive this forgiveness, but yet there's no repentance involved. And sometimes we see that. Um, it's interesting. Wesley, as he taught, separated this understanding of being washed by in our baptism and being born again, that sometimes in the life of an adult especially, there's a separation between the two. Because you might experience God and come to believe and know Christ as your Savior at a separate moment from when you are baptized. In fact, you might realize that first before you present yourself at the fountain. But you have to have that belief, that understanding of who Jesus Christ is in your life and how you're going to live in response to that. They can't be, they, they might be separate acts, but you have to have both of them. But Wesley said the difference is when we baptize an infant, they go together. And John was really wrestling with that. He was banging his head and he said, you know, how is it that for infants, you can be born of the Spirit and baptized in the same act. And he said, well, think about it this way. When we present an infant for baptism, the parents are saying they are going to raise the child in the faith. And so at its best, the most perfect model of that, you would raise the child in such a way that they don't know sin. They don't know the, the pain and the hatred and the angst that comes in the greater world. That, that's really lofty thinking, amen? <laughs> that we can insulate and protect our children. But the truth is, in our culture, so often people will say, I'm going to let my child decide their fate for themselves. When they get older, I'll let them pick what their faith and their religion is going to be. I don't want to impose that on them. No, are you crazy? We don't want the world to impose the ideas on our children. When we present them for baptism, we're saying, I'm going to do everything in my power to show you that you are a child of God, first and foremost, even before you're my son or my daughter, you are God's, and God has claimed you. God has put his spirit on your life. Our children need to be reminded of that every single day. 
that no matter what you're going to experience when you go in the world, when you go on the bus and everybody's fighting and yelling, when you go in your classrooms and people are experiencing different things, first and foremost, you are God's child and beloved by your Savior. Sometimes baptism is a photo opportunity dress the children up, and there's nothing that goes beyond that. So that's what Jesus is calling us to, understanding our baptisms as this expression of faith that is not just the culmination of all that we have, has all that has brought us to the, the fountain. But when we are baptized, whether it happened when we were 15 years old or 50 years old or five days old, whenever it is, we were presented at this fountain. And there's a change wrought within us. And that through our lives, we are cultivating that spirit that God has given as a gift so that we can know what it is to be born again. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asks Jesus. Jesus answered, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things. I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven. Just as Moses lifted the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Again, it's not the water that gives you life eternal. It's the belief in the one who gave himself for us. It's the knowing and the trusting in your word. And it's living every day in recognition of that gift. So may all of us be water-washed and spirit-born, giving our lives as a testimony to what Christ has done. And again, we'll be continuing with this series of baptism. And if you have never been baptized, I urge you to prayerfully consider that and approach us so that we can help you to experience this new birth and this sign act that is to follow. Um, at 11 o'clock, we will be celebrating the baptism of Lane Knopf, the Garth and Melissa's new son. Um, so we, we hold that family prayer and we give thanks to God that they're presenting this infant uh, knowing that they're going to spend his whole life instilling within him the understanding of what it is to be born of the Spirit. Thanks be to our Lord who invites all of us to be born again. Amen.